listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank the band for leading us this morning? Would that be all right? Southcrest, let me tell you, you're incredibly fortunate, incredibly blessed. They're not paying me to say this. This is my second time here. Um, so I, the first time I came, I, I noticed just how unique it is and just how much favor there is on, on this place and on the people here. But I say this from the depth of my heart as a youth pastor to your church that you have incredible students, you have incredible ministry leaders, and you're incredibly fortunate to belong to a body like this. Man, so I'm just, I want to be the walking Hallmark card for just a second and just tell you like, man, it's good to be at Southcrest. It's incredible uh, to be a part of this uh, ministry. I know that uh, your ministry leaders have prayed so fervently over this weekend, and I believe that God did everything that he wanted to, and I believe that he's not done yet. He wants to do some great things right here and right now. That last song that we just sang, it really ties into the message that I want to speak to you today. Uh, but by way of introduction, my name is Blake, and um, I have three kids. I have Micah, he's six, Wade is almost three, and um, or almost four. Woo, almost got that wrong. And then Kate is, uh, she's my little baby girl, she's almost two. But there's one thing that my son, and I have a beautiful wife, hello, she's the best, um, but there's one thing that my son Micah was obsessed with for so long, and that was Mickey Mouse. We lived in the Orlando area, so most people think, like, you must live at Disney World. And then I remind people, I'm a youth pastor, okay? Can't afford to go to Disney World all the time. But there were those special moments that um, we were privileged to take our kids to Disney World. We would watch uh, Micah sit on the couch as he would watch Mickey and he would be so excited. He would be wearing like Mickey pajamas and we would try our very best to make Mickey pancakes and all this stuff just going over the top. So my wife Meredith and I were just like excited, probably more excited than Micah is to take our kid to Disney World for the first time. He loves Mickey. So we're driving to Disney World just a few minutes from our house and I keep looking in the rearview mirror. Micah has no clue where we're going. Total surprise. We pull up at Disney World, and he notices, you know, of course, there's Disney everywhere. There's Mickey Mouse everywhere. And he's like, Mickey, 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 all this stuff. We wait in this horribly long line. You guys know this. You pay an arm and a leg to wait. You pay an arm and a leg to buy overpriced food and to really just waste your life standing in a line waiting for a ride. But before we got on rides... I was like, we have to take Micah to meet Mickey, okay? Like, that's a huge part of the Disney experience. So we're in this line waiting, growing old, maybe complaining a little bit, looking at my bank account and really complaining. Meredith and I are actually excited that he gets to see Mickey. So we go around this corner, and have you ever, as parents, parents in the room, have you ever had, like, higher expectations for an experience like, you're, you're thinking this right here, like, my kid is going to love this. He walks around the corner and sees Mickey, and I, I'm not going to 
make the noise that he made because we would blow the speakers in this place. But he screamed at the top of his lungs and just took off in the opposite direction. I said, Micah, no, no, no. Like, this, is, this is costly. <laughs> you, you're going to get a picture with the mouse. <laughs> so we chase him down. He's got like a turkey leg already. Like we're chasing him down. And I'm like, bro, we get in this picture. We are getting this picture. The picture that we got, he's crying. He's terrified. My wife and I are really the only ones that look happy. It's a great picture, great memory. But I said, I got down on my knees and I said, Micah, I said, bro, what's up? I was like, why don't you want to see Mickey? And he goes, he's huge. <laughs> he's huge. And I really believe this. Like when I'm, we're singing that song, I know I'm like messed up on so many levels, but like Mickey is coming into my mind while we're singing this song because I, I believe this, Micah, he got so caught up with just this very like one dimensional version of Mickey. Like he's on the screen, he's on, he's on the pants, He's around on different signs at the park. But once he encountered, he's not real, but once he encountered the real Mickey, it changed his perspective on everything. He was much bigger than he ever thought. He was, he's huge. And I really do believe this, that faith, when it comes to faith, like God so wants us not, not to be freaked out and scream and go grab a chicken leg. Like, no, that's not it. But he does want us to have perspective on who he is because he is so much bigger than you could ever dare to imagine. He's so much bigger than you could ever dare to imagine. Why am I saying this? Because your life, according to scripture, God created you for a purpose. He created you on purpose, ultimately to bring glory to him. And there are moments in our lives when we need to be reminded just how big God is. We need to be reminded, our soul and our heart needs to be reminded that this huge and vast God that we serve is in fact faithful through every bend in the highway, through every difficulty that we face. Hebrews 11 verse one, I love Hebrews. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What I believe God wants us to understand today is that faith can, in fact, give you the assurance that you need for the future, but it can also give you the confidence that you need in the present. It can give you the assurance that you need for the future and the confidence that you need in the present. And when we have confidence and assurance in God, I like to call it God-fidence. It's not your confidence. It's God-fidence. It's confidence in God. But when you have that confidence, you can face anything with God. Why? Because he's huge. Because he's bigger than you thought. Because he, in fact, has a purpose for your life. See, the author of Hebrews, it's up for debate, but he's writing to a group of believers who have faced persecution and hardship before. And the reason for his writing is that he does not want them to turn from their faith because you know this just as well as I do. When your faith is tested, when your faith is tried, our propensity is to 
turn from the faith, to turn from God. And he wants to remind these people that even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it, God is in fact faithful to you. That you can, in fact, walk with him through any valley, through any trial, through any difficulty that you face. Now listen to the word of God. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. If you're there, say amen. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. See, what we have here is, we're gonna talk a lot about Moses today, but we're introduced to the faith of his parents in this verse, which I would say this, Moms and dads, the most important thing that you can hand down to your parents or hand down to your kids, excuse me, is a life of faith. They're not gonna borrow your faith. Your, their faith, your faith is not gonna get them into heaven. It's not gonna give them a relationship with God. But I'm, I'm here to tell you much of why I'm even standing right here is because I had parents who walked by faith. So you have Moses' parents, and you know the story. You've seen the prince of Egypt, right? (laughs) The king's edict was, all right, Egypt isn't looking very Egyptian, so we need to do something about this. Let's kill the firstborn. And Moses' parents were just like, I'm going to use improper English, ain't going to happen. Because they have faith in God. So by faith, they put Moses in a basket. It's the original UPS. They put him in a basket, send him down the Nile River, which is crocodile infested. You talk about faith. Shows up at the right place at the right time to the right person. Moses goes from rags to riches, literally. I mean, he he is shipped and then goes from rags to riches, picked up out of a basket, But the thing I find so interesting, even in that verse right there, it says that the child was beautiful, which is not necessarily speaking of a physical appearance, even though every child is beautiful. Amen? Like, you parents know that. You're like, my child's so beautiful. But it's not speaking about the beauty of the child from an external standpoint. It really has this meaning right here, purpose. This is God created this child. God fashioned this child in with his hands. God is the one who knew this child before he was even born. God is the one who declares purpose over this child. I'm just here to tell you, we need that, we need that reminder today that born or unborn, every child is made in the image of God and they matter. They matter. So what God is saying from the birth of this child is he has a purpose for this child. He has a purpose for this child. There's a reason for his existence. There's a reason that he is alive, but we're going to see that the faith of Moses was tested. The faith of Moses' parents were, were tested, but he had enduring faith. God was bigger than he thought he was. His plans and purposes were perfect. So what does it look like for us to live a life of purpose? What does it look like for us to live a life of faith? I believe, first, that faith 
chooses obedience over pleasure. Faith chooses obedience over pleasure. And we pick that up in verse number 24, which says this, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses wasn't just growing physically. Moses was growing spiritually. Moses realized that he was in the household of the most powerful man, Pharaoh. In fact, related because he was adopted. That he found himself in this palace and in the presence of the the Pharaoh. But there's one thing that I believe surfaces from that verse alone, and it's this, that faith chooses obedience over pleasure. Faith chooses obedience over pleasure. Sure, the the Pharaoh's house, the, the palace, if you will, made in the shade, man, living the dream, serving the king. I mean, it's just so good for him. But he realized because God gave him a purpose that there were more important decisions to make. Why is that? Because decisions always determine the direction of your life. They always determine the direction of your life. So Moses is saying this, because I belong to God, this faith that is rising up in me, I'm going to refuse the, the pleasure. I'm going to refuse what everybody else thinks is good. I really do believe that Moses had to ask himself this question, who am I? Who am I? I'm in Pharaoh's house. I'm in the palace. I got people feeding me grapes, man. I mean, it's, people are fanning me, like everything's good. But his identity, which was founded in God, the purpose that God had for him, ultimately was going to determine his activity. Because relationship with God, don't miss this, relationship with God requires responsibility. And Moses says, because of who God is to me, there are some things that don't look the same anymore. There are some things that don't feel the same anymore that Moses had to realize that the palace was not for him. He had to realize that that place of pleasure was not for him. Now you think about that for a moment, like Moses' friends are probably like, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. Why would you, why would you leave that? Why would you walk away from that? It's because his purpose was greater. God's purpose for your life is always greater than pleasure. Obedience to Christ by faith is always better. It's always better than, than doing the, the convenient thing or doing the, the fun thing like I believe this specifically that many of us are distracted by pleasure. Pleasure is distracting us from the purpose that God has for us. My mind automatically goes to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is, is building, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with that text, you know that people came up against him and were just like, that's, that's crazy, like, why would, you, why would you do that? And I love what Nehemiah said. He says this, 
I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. You talk about purpose. I'm doing a great work and I cannot, I cannot come down. Like for you this morning, for you in, in your own personal walk and journey with Christ, I mean, what does it look like for you to say, man, if Jesus is the greatest pleasure that I have, if I'm gonna walk in my purpose, and that means I'm probably walking away from some things, probably walking away from some people. I love what Romans 12 verse two says. It says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God is good. First Thessalonians two verse four says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of the heart. Faith chooses obedience over pleasure. Secondly, as faith chooses obedience over sin. Look at verse 25. It says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know what's strange? We don't really talk about this much, but sin is fun. Sin is pleasurable. Somebody like, I cannot believe you would say that. If it, if it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. But Moses is learning, just like many of us are learning, that sin is always over-promising and under-delivering in our lives. It's always over-promising and under-delivering. It's, it's writing checks at bounce. Like, it, it's telling us, Moses' his life is showing us here that, yes, sin is in fact pleasurable, but here's the, here's the kicker. It's fleeting and it's fading. It doesn't last. Like, it, it actually, I love how a great theologian said this. He said that sin fascinates before it assassinates. Like, there, there's, there's an appeal to it. There's a desire that we have for it. But ultimately, it leaves us wanting more. Ultimately, it leaves us in, in desperate conditions where we so desperately need God. But for Moses, walking in his purpose, walking in the purpose that God had for him, meant that faith is choosing obedience over sin. Obedience, what's obedience? Here it is. This is what I tell my sons and daughter. She doesn't understand me yet, but I said, Micah, obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. I want them memorizing that. I want them knowing, I want that written on their heart that obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. That's how Moses chooses to live his life. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sometimes we choose to remain in a, a certain place because we think we can have a, a greater impact even though we know that God is calling us elsewhere. We call that sin. God wants you here, and we choose here as sin. 
But obedience is doing what we're told to do when we're told to do it with the right heart attitude. When we don't feel it, when we don't see it, it's saying, God, I know your ways are better. I know you are better. So I'm choosing obedience. And so many times in our lives personally, God's God's directing us. And we oftentimes do what we what we want to do. Sometimes we avoid hearing the word of God because we know it may lead to hardship. Just thinking practically. We know that God is in fact good, but so many times what he says doesn't necessarily seem good. His goodness is often packaged like difficulty. (laughs) It looks hard, it looks challenging. We don't wanna walk in obedience. But God is, I'm just here to tell you, we've said it all weekend, he has good intentions. That when you can't trace his heart in the circumstances of your life, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart because he's good. He's a good God. So when he tells us, listen, like, I want you to get this. Like, I wish I would have heard this growing up more. Like, God is not trying to be a killjoy for you. He's not saying like, hey, you got to walk from this, turn from, that's not his intentions for you. He's trying to actually prove to you what life is. So when he says there are things that we should turn from, there's things that we should be obedient to, it's ultimately for our good, his glory, and our joy. So when we turn from those things, it, it requires faith, and that's what God, in fact, desires. Sometimes he might call you into a hard place, and you must go. Because that's what obedience is. I mean, can we think about Christ for a moment? Wasn't easy for him to come here? Wasn't easy for him to live his life here? I mean, the very first day on earth, we know that he existed before time and space, but his first day here on earth was he wasn't born in a hospital. Born in a cave, basically. He's born in, in a place that nobody would have ever expected. His entire life was marked by suffering. His entire life was marked by difficulty. I love how Hebrews says this: it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Why do why do we say no to sin? Why does God give us the faith and the power? It's not in our own strength, but why does he do that? Because he wants us to experience his joy. He wants us to experience his life. So faith chooses obedience over pleasure. Faith chooses obedience over sin. Students, I wrote this down for you specifically. When you read verse 24, 25, and 26, you realize this, that God's purpose for your life is greater than popularity. Moses is like, I ain't staying in this place. God's purpose for your life is greater than pleasure. And God's purpose for your life is greater than possessions. You have all the stuff in the world, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You have six figures in your bank account, but if you don't know Jesus, you're broke. Doesn't matter the square footage in your house. It's the square footage right here that God wants to occupy. And he's the one that it's come to give you life. There's a lot of people, a lot of people that experience the American dream. But it's not life. It's fleeting and fading. So we see that faith chooses obedience over pleasure. 
Faith chooses obedience over sin. And finally, real quick, is faith chooses obedience over fear. Look at verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Here's what's beautiful about that. This passage started with Moses' parents saying, look, we're not afraid of the king's edict. And then what do you see in the life of their son Moses? I ain't afraid of the king's edict. Parents, I'm here to remind you what you're doing is important. The decisions that you are making are important. You've got eyes who are watching you, generations who are watching you. Even in this house, we've got students right here who are watching you. They want to see you walk by faith. They want to see you live a life ultimately that's pleasing to the Lord. But Moses says this, fear is one thing that threatens our walk with Christ. It threatens our purpose. But he, cho- he chose to leave Egypt. I wish we had time to unpack all that. Because he saw him who is invisible. This wasn't the first time for Moses. He saw him at the burning bush. Saul. Saw him on the Damascus Road. Stephen saw him when he was being stoned to death. Paul saw him when he was outside the city of Lystra. The Hebrew children saw him in the fiery furnace. Jacob saw him while he was wrestling at midnight. Daniel saw him in the lion's den. Seeing him who is invisible. That's the solution for us walking in our purpose. Is ultimately that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. It's not your eyes fixed on you. It's your eyes fixed on Jesus. If we're going to walk by faith and not by fear, our eyes must be fixed on Jesus. 2 Kings verse six, or chapter 6, 15 through 17 says this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. Just imagine this. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open our eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, listen to this. The mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. If we're going to walk in our purpose, I really do believe this. It started off in night one, y'all. Remember? Fear is going to threaten that. But never lose sight of this reality. Anything and everything that surrounds you is, in fact, surrounded by God. It's surrounded by God. He does, in fact, have a purpose for your life. I want you to believe that. He does, in fact, have good intentions for your life, but there's a responsibility we have. Jesus is better over every pleasure. Jesus is better over every possession. Jesus is better over every sin. Jesus is stronger, wiser, and better over every fear that rises up within us. Let's walk in purpose. Let's live a life that pleases God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning.
I pray for the hearts of your people in here. Lord, I pray that they would be sensitive to you. God, remind us once again of what you say in Ephesians, that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Lord, I pray that by faith we would have confidence in these moments. Lord, that by faith we would trust you with the details of our lives. You are in fact way bigger than we could ever dare to imagine. Your plans are way better. So Lord, I pray that we would trust you in this place this morning. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm just here to tell you that's where you find purpose. That's where you find significance. That's where you find meaning. That's where you find life. That's where you find freedom. That's where you find everything that you're searching, searching for. There are pastors in this place that would love to talk with you. I would love to walk you through the truth of God's story for you, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to take a step of faith and have a conversation today. I encourage you to do that. Don't wait for it. Have that conversation today. For those of you who are Christians, can we just agree you have a purpose? You're not here by happenstance. You're here to make much of Jesus. So every pleasure, it, man, it doesn't compare to Jesus. The sin doesn't compare to Jesus. He's better, he's bigger than anything you ever thought. So why don't by faith you start walking in that purpose today? I believe he'll do that. Let's stand to our feet and respond to his word. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.